0: But why is it that after Hillary Clinton lost to Trump, suddenly the musical Hamilton was like uh, very, very popular, and anybody who was any, everybody who was anybody had to see Hamilton and side with Hamilton? Uh, because so, they hate
1: the revolution.
0: The death of God is about the drying up of a horizon of meaning and of a whole form of human life. Where do we? See in the illusion it makes. What kind of space are we invited into?
1: The material relations between people become social relations between things. When we look at toasters, corn, and TVs... We
0: We still, to a large extent, live in the interregnum between, between worlds, if you will, or between paradigms. Not many people in the history of the world have faced that. Diet Soap is a Sublation Media podcast. I'm here with Spencer Leonard. It is March eleventh, twenty twenty-three. Before I started recording, Spencer Leonard, who is involved with the Platypus Affiliate Society, a professor in history, and is that right? Now, so theology and sociology, and um, and a former editor of Sublation Magazine, is here to talk to me today and educate me about uh, Leninism and Lenin and particularly the essay State and Revolution, but I want to set it up this way. Reading Lenin and reading State and Revolution today um, may be different than it would have been five years ago even, or certainly 20 years ago, particularly today as we are facing the revelations from the Twitter files, looking back on the way the COVID-19 pandemic was handled and the ways in which state bureaucracies lied to the public, how the corporations were involved with that, like Pfizer. I feel like the people on the left right now are rather lost in terms of how they want to relate to the state. And I think maybe seeing what Lenin had to say might be useful. But before we started this recording, you were telling me that right now most of the, let's call them progressive left or the liberals or the Democratic Party, want to see social change handled by state bureaucracies rather than by the public and politicians
1: and, and democratically
0: elected leaders. Do you think Marx would have seen this coming?
1: Well, I mean, what we were talking about, maybe we can ease into Marx and Lenin. You know, Lenin and Marx have, they're, they're coming out of a, an older tradition. They're coming out of liberalism, they have a certain concept of the independence of society. Mm -hmm. They inherit, and this is, you know, really at the heart of Lenin's state and revolution, uh, because he's kind of talking to anarchists there. They inherit the modern revolutionary hostility to the state, right? Mm -hmm. That is shared by all bourgeois revolutionaries, right? It's a bourgeois revolutionary aspiration to subordinate the state to society. We're dealing with this, you know, of course, monstrous excrescence, to use the Marxist term, of the state. Marxists have a, you know, a particular understanding of that that we can get into as Bonapartist and or imperialist, and it has to do with Bodies of armed men, right, as Engels puts it, I believe, uh, and Lenin famously quotes. But you know, the immediate occasion is that you know, we've gone through a, a we've gone through a social crisis and a kind of asynchronous or non-synchronous, uh, really uh, belated um, political crisis. Right, that there's been a a deep crisis of of the way that global capitalism is organized, um, what you could call neoliberalism. That's that's been in crisis for a long time now, right? For at minimum fifteen years, arguably before that, Um, you know, going back to the crisis at the uh, beginning of the Bush administration. There's that deep. Crisis that has taken political expression in party political systems, which is the only place that it can really be fought out. My big problem with the left is the liquidation into the Democratic Party in the United States via the DSA and the Sanders campaign has really obscured a vast political education right like by taking sides in these squabbles within capitalist politics they don't see you know an immense revelation of of what the world is right how the world is organized we were mm-hmm. just talking about how you know people didn't they don't want to know that you know their that the way that they communicate is monitored by the state through These, you know, quasi-private entities, uh, the big tech companies, um, right, that are increasingly extensions of state power, that there were hearings in in Congress about. They don't want to know. Why don't they want to know? Because the DSA and Bernie Sanders made them Democrats. That's why they don't want to know. What they're doing in the world is getting Democrats elected. And they're trying to move the Democratic Party to the left. And anything that doesn't facilitate that agenda, they're hostile to. So they're running interference for the FBI, basically determining who can speak in America or really globally. There's a couple of things I want to bring up. Making society
0: independent and what that means exactly, because I think the word society is a little
1: opaque right now. What do you mean, I mean making it independent?
0: Well, you said something about how revolutionaries wanted society to be independent, to be primary. Well, right, they no, know it and, is. But, right, no. right. I think the word society today, for a lot of people, would include things like the state and corporations. and oh, you know, sure. Right? So I want to clarify
1: what we mean by society. What I mean by the independence of society, the state represents—the You know, the state is a badge of our unfreedom, right? The state is— uh, a, you know, in in a kind of a bourgeois sense. Uh, in capitalism, the state is a symptom of the failure of socialism. Right? It's an expression of the failure of socialism. Of course the state arises from society. Right? The state is not independent in the sense that it's some kind of arbitrary thing that's just been erected separately from society. Mm-hmm. It, it arises from capitalism and you know the the sort of the large point that i was trying to make by referring to the roots of of socialism and anarchism and in liberalism is that socialism is a kind of recognition that there's a kind of renewed impetus to the state right that the state that seemed to be on a trajectory of subordination to society.
0: Civil society is what you mean? Civil society. Yeah. Yeah.
1: that, That the law, first of all, the law represented society rather than the arbitrary will of aristocrats. And that the tendency was that the law wouldn't need to be enforced, but would, as it were, be spontaneously enforced. People would be spontaneously social with one another. To us now, that sounds like, you know, a vast project of control. Right.
0: I imagine the Borg in Star Trek, you know, we'd all have our minds connected through a computer network.
1: and But that's right. not what they were envisioning. What they meant is that there would gradually dissolve the difference between the enforcement of social norms. You know, like, hey, don't, you know, don't slap her on her ass, right? Or don't bully, you know, little Johnny, right? Mm-hmm. Like things that we do, we're not enforcing the law, we're enforcing social norms, right? Like, hey, that's no way to act, All right. We can think about it in terms of child-rearing. We kind of sound like we're child-rearing, but we do it with one another.
0: The nice thing about that approach to enforcing norms is that it's done on the level of, of uh, solidarity or, or camaraderie. You don't tell someone what their ethical duty is because if they don't do as you tell them, you're going to lock them up or fire them from their job but rather because you think they're somebody who wants to do the right thing, and maybe they could use a reminder of what the right thing is.
1: Right. Civil society is this ultimately inconceivably vast tableau of freedom, the consciousness of which, as Hegel puts it, uh, is the law. Right? That how could we conceive of all of our freedom? Mm -hmm. The only thing that we could say is everything legal that's happening the idea would be that you know the necessity of, of of enforcement by the state you know certainly by like a caste which is what the state used to be right it was a caste of aristocrats would die out in the 19th century in marx's lifetime in the age of socialism in the age of the industrial revolution in the age of capital there there emerges the state as we un, as we as marxists understand that right and the simplest way to put that is the cops the cops emerge in the 19th century right they they in in england where they were instituted of course in the largest uh, metropolitan centers of the capitalist world at the time uh, they were called bobbies because they were instituted by Prime Minister Sir Robert Peel, uh, Bobby, um, and in you know who for those who don't know Prime Minister in the eighteen forties, and you know in the United States where they were instituted, you know it was thought, look, this is unconstitutional, right? This is this is quartering soldiers, right? Um, which is you know debarred by the Bill of Rights, right? This is placing our cities under armed occupation. Uh, But we take all that for granted. We know that I got to have somebody to call when I dial 911, right? Uh, There's got to be someone on the other end of the line (laughs) there, Mm -hmm. right? There's a necessity um, that, you know, this new thing, this state...
0: What kinds of things were happening that made that seem like a necessity
1: in the 19th century. Capitalism, you know, is a disintegrative society. Uh, it generates what, you know, Marx sometimes refers to as cesspools of, of unemployment, of lumpenism, of street gangs, of street crime, of organized crime, of antisocial behavior, m- mental illness. That moment when crime
0: emerged like that, that was a moment where saying to someone, hey, maybe you don't want to uh, bully that guy, or maybe you don't want to, here, remember what your social obligations are, just wasn't enough. It wasn't working. I mean, obviously, there was crime before capitalism. Um, were there police before capitalism, or were, were they called something else? Did they function differently?
1: They functioned yeah. differently. It was much more liberal in the sense that it arose spontaneously from, from the social order that existed, right. So if you're trying to go out and like deal with some highway robbers, right, the people of the towns in between whom you know that road ran, uh, who wanted that road to be safe to travel, um, you know people on the basis of their established reputations as law-abiding people would be deputized by a judge or whomever, right, to go and bring someone before the court. That's not the same thing as having people who are, you know, special bodies of armed men.
0: Right? In, the feudal, in the feudal era, if one peasant went over and him, murdered another peasant, how would that be handled?
1: By the church, by the local priest, who's an agent of the state um by the local grandee um by the other peasants, right mm-hmm. very well could be the case that um you know nobody liked the guy who was murdered um you know right and it was thought that you know this was justice you could appeal you know to the Lord mm-hmm. and you know uh if it was a uh, tricky situation, you know, the Lord, you know, in, in real feudalism, right. The Lord is a total barbarian and probably illiterate. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if he felt like he wasn't on, on unsure ground, right. He would, you know, ask the church, you know, he would ask like the literate people, like, you know, what do we do? Obviously, like if it were, it's like just in the countryside of France, mm-hmm. um, you know, if it would sort of, you know, it would be very organic. Like, if the peasants didn't like it and yet they didn't feel that they could exact justice on the criminal or that, you know, there was a feud that needed to be um, prevented or defused, you know, their lord provided protection, right? That's what he did. It's like the mafia, Right. The first thing he provides protection from is himself, but he also provides you like, you know, some kind of semblance of, of law and order. Right? There's an authority. He lives, of course, in a very different world, right, where society has to be represented in law, right? So obviously, like, at the very heart of the bourgeois revolution is the is the representation of society, right? Is 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 the sovereignty of parliament, right? um the the sovereignty of Parliament over the King is like a primal expression of the subordination of the state to society mm-hmm. uh that he's denied any resources right he, The Parliament controls the power of the purse right He's denied any arbitrary will. he has to enforce the law right mm-hmm. um, right he doesn't he's not the king anymore. he's not the chief aristocrat. It's the crown right it's the executive it's the state right what Americans call the presidency mm-hmm. right? We have a monarch just as surely as the as the British do in that sense there is something that can legally kill you right mm-hmm. by form of law uh, right that can that can hang you by the neck until dead.'m
0: getting the sense of here is how, the state, which is an institution, I think most people kind of feel has been around forever, and in in some ways it has been around for a long, long time. Since the beginning of civilization, under modernity, under capitalism, uh, after the bourgeois uh, revolutions, certainly um, has a very, very different
1: nature. It's a different institution. There. It up with the change of society, right from caste right? We're supposed to make a transition to class Uh, for Adam Smith. It's not supposed to be like Lords and peasants and journeymen. And very ultimately what are caste designations that have to do with who your parents were and have all kinds of spiritual and other consequences, but rather it's capital and labor. It's a social relation. It's not just like a bunch of species that kind of happen to inhabit the same jungle. Right. The Sanskrit word for caste is great. It literally means species.
0: Does that that different species of a human connect to some different aspect of the divine?
1: Yeah, of course. Right. There's a great chain of being and some are some are more pure than others. And and it has to do with our relations to nature. Right. Um, All right. A peasant can can handle a plow. Uh, And a peasant can use like draft animals, including like, what's the difference between a draft horse and a war horse? Right. Um, One is a peasant's and the other is a lord's. Right. (laughs) Um, I mean, obviously they're bred differently. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. But uh, a peasant would have no business saddling, much less um, mounting a war steed. Right. Or holding Mm -hmm. a sword. Uh, just as a Lord would have no business uh, holding up the blood and body of Christ, right? Mm-hmm. So th- there are different relations to the gods and you have different intermediaries to the divine. Uh, you have a different relationship to nature. It's a like cold, you know. I mean, this is really gets to, like, you know, to, to sort of fast forward. This really gets forward, like, it, it, it points to what Marx and Lenin are talking about when they're talking about bourgeois right. Mm-hmm. When, when they're talking about bourgeois right, they're talking about the in- entire cosmic transformation of society that takes place with bourgeois social relations. We just say like, Oh, it's wage labor, right? Wage labor and the freedom of individuals that is involved in the juridical equality that's involved is a cosmic transformation.
0: People are no longer conceived of as having Uh, a natural essence which gives them the ability to hold a sword or the blood of christ or a plow but rather everyone is equal and legally equal and can go out into the world and find for themselves a position of productive uh, participation
1: that they want and they can change that people of different classes don't have like a different spiritual essence Right. I wanted to ask you about that because it's, that seems right? under way- ca- under
0: under capitalism under a kind of regression. You're all the time we're kind of sold these stories about oh there really are different kinds of people. You should take the Meyer Briggs personality test and see what kind of person you really are. or sure. uh, Or just or today I was talking to someone online arguing about Ukraine and they were talking to me about how Russians are a particular way. They're you know they have a particular character. Um, right, And these are kind of throwbacks to this reactionary way of thinking about the world and about people.
1: Left is to... out of hand, Doug. I mean, the left <laughs> believes that black people have rhythm and maybe they can't do math, right? I mean, it's sick. I think in your home state, they have instituted this stuff, like black math. Right. Or everybody shouldn't have to get the right answer. I mean, it's stone cold racist. You got to be a leftist to be able to come up with lunatic arguments like this. What Lenin and Marx are talking about is that in socialism, our differences, uh, which are ignored, um, would actually be given full scope, it would be from each according to his ability to each according to his needs. Our needs are different, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, Shaquille O'Neal needs to eat more than I do. Some people are short, some people are tall, some people are fat, some people are smart, some people are not, right? It, it, like It There are loads and loads and loads and loads of differences, an infinity of differences. Marx uh, in the Critique of the Goto program, just that Lenin discusses, Just points out simple things like, look, some people have got five kids, and other people don't have any, right? And you're going to say that their wages should be the same? It makes no sense. The needs are not the same, right? Right. Um, You know, or they have to take care of their aging grandparents, their aging parents or grandparents or whomever, right? People have different needs, Um, and and we operate on the basis of bourgeois right that. Um, this is the way in which we're going to enforce a certain kind of equality, right? Actually, socialism is about overcoming equality, Mm -hmm. like, or for allowing, you know, it's a, you know, like what kind of thing does it mean? Like from each according to his ability to each according to his needs, like we would all equally have our needs met yeah and the other thing is but our the, needs would be completely qualitatively different from one another, right right not, and, right know, and and also like a big research library and travel funds to for, write for or, me, you know. the exciting
0: thing to think about is how in a socialist society the 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 way in which needs would change, the way in which people would be freed up to sure uh, for to create self projects of self-development, uh, their prospects would be much, much broader we wouldn't know what the limits are of, of what we could accomplish as species right. and as people um that's and right. it, that's what's exciting about socialism
1: and and it's there in modernity too it's kind of exciting yeah but in a very abstract way because we ain't going to live it right it's not like some it's not like a theme park we're going to go to because part of the point is that really the controversial point that, that Marx and Lenin are making, is that socialist politics is all about creating the conditions of possibility. What are the conditions of possibility? Working class seizure of power. Mm -hmm. Smashing of the state. Right? Smashing of the state means the working class becomes the state, right? Mm -hmm. The special bodies of armed men are workers, Right. That's what it means. Right. It means the cops are, you know, you know, from the union, like developing like neighborhood watch. Right. Which they have done, of course, in the 19th and 20th century. Right. They actually become the cops. Right. Substitute a people's militia for the army. Right. Yeah. You And of course, here, the issue, this is where like the DSA and these people like we're just not even talking to them. Right. Talking about policies instituted by the state. What Marx and Lenin are talking about is who does it, not what gets done, who does it, right? It, what we can't begin to talk about the task of democracy, which is really about opening up the space for facilitating politically fac- a transformation to socialism, which is ultimately a transformation in people, right? Needs dissolving that you know the distinction between manual and physical labor, all of these things, right? Uh, the dictatorship of the proletariat is, in a sense, our political horizon, right? It would be nice to see the prospect for the dictatorship of the proletariat, why? Because the goal of socialism touches the question of freedom, right. And I am a product of a society that, and my discontent is society's discontent, you know, as it's concentrated within this particularization, this individual, Uh, and I want these, this crisis, this contradiction that works out within me and you and everyone else, I want it to be resolved Right. I'm perfectly happy, in other words, to strive politically for a freedom that I don't experience. Right. As why, car, well, car, right? why would why would
0: it matter who uh, ran the state? Um, why is the working class taking control of the state going to
1: transform the state? Let's say. Under the dictatorship of the proletariat, um, there was a conflict between a segment of the working class and the needs of society. Right, for instance, let's say that some workers wanted to go on strike, and the rest of the society needed those workers. produce and as in capitalism the state was invoked to crush the strike Mm -hmm. it would be different if the cops that were used had come out of the organized working class and were workers, it still might be the case that they have to crush the strike. That's the whole point about the persistence of bourgeois. There there still needs to be a state, which is to say there would still be coercive functions. One of the things that people all get out of reading State and Revolution is like, oh, you need a state to put down the bourgeoisie. But what does the bourgeoisie look like? The bourgeoisie looks like, you know, drunken anti-social anti-semitic mobs of lumpen proletarians that's what it looks like right that's what the restoration that's what the counter-revolution will look like right that's why socialist workers movement for instance you'll hear people say economic struggle is like a school of socialism it's not because workers really win great gains in their unions and their struggles with their bosses, but what workers do is they gain the, the ability. What, the, what socialism is trying to generate as a politics is the capacity of, of the working class to take responsibility for society, to do something as bold as taking over the state. and. The working class struggle, even in its like humblest economic forms, does that. Because if you think about like a strike, what is a strike in capitalism? A strike is a union trying to exert hegemony over the unemployed. That's what enforcing a picket line means. Enforcing a picket line means like, look, we're going to appeal even to the people who don't have jobs, even to the lumpen, Right, even to like the potential strike breakers, it's showing to the working class that the problem of capital is ultimately a problem within the working class. Right, it's a problem of workers with workers. Right, and the so the project of, of instituting the dictatorship of the proletariat and why it's important that like you know, the working class should staff the state, is that the, the state should be, you know, it's a question of like creating the conditions for the elimination, the gradual, as it were, withering away of bourgeois right, the creation of the conditions for the disintegration of the necessity of the state. And how do you do that? Make the circumstance more visible. It's one of the, that's why I have to get rid of the capitalists, right? By getting rid of the capitalists, it becomes clearer that the capitalists were never the problem. It becomes clearer that this is a problem of the working class with itself. This is a problem between workers and criminals and gang members and all of the forms that like the lumpen disintegrative elements of society take, right? Or just the desperately poor, right? The unemployed, like what would it do? What would the dictatorship of the proletariat do? It would allow everyone and force everyone to work, right? If you force everyone to work and, you would suddenly come up, of course, against the fact that there may not be jobs for everybody. So, well, how do you negotiate this, right? What well, else, the question but, would be, why aren't there
0: jobs for everyone? In the sense, we don't want jobs for everyone. Right, right now, we may not, but but uh, right. uh, under socialism, I, I just I'm flashing on the critique of the Gotha program and something you just said. Reminded me of that, which is that in the critique of the Gotha program, Marx opposes not the replacement of the state with the dictatorship of the proletariat. He may mention that, but he also mentions replacing commodity money with labor notes. Right, where a labor note would equal to would be equal to one hour of labor. It wouldn't be a commodity where its value would be determined by how much time it took to create to the, the mine the gold and then the be that would be in relationship to other commodities. No, no, no. 1 hour labor equals 1 hour labor and how you would determine how many commodities that 1 hour of labor was worth. It's not quite covered in the critique of the Gotha program, but the but the point of it would not be to create a system that was fair and that would work for all time, but to help the withering away of uh, that kind of monetary structure altogether to move towards from each according to their ability to each according to their need, you make clear the inequality and, the, and using labor to mediate society, using labor time to mediate society. I mean, really
1: all that you're doing, if we look at like the history of political economy from Thomas Moon in the 1620s, you know, arguing that, um, look, it's okay if we ship gold out of a kingdom to buy goods, right? We don't need, like, a balance of trade. We don't have to get more gold than Mm -hmm. we send. From that till Adam Smith's, like, systematic demolition of any idea that you know, gold and silver are any different than any other commodity. What the whole of bourgeois thought at the level of political economy was doing was saying money is a labor chip. That's what it is, right? It is a representative of labor time. So, What difference would it make by abolishing money and instituting labor chits? Well, you'd be addressing the class question, right? Because the other function of money as labor, as representative of labor, is that it commands other labor. Adam Smith very famously says people say money is power, but it isn't, right? Or rather, the, the power appropriate to money isn't State power isn't the power to coerce people. It's the command over labor. It's the ability of money, in other words, to both serve as like a means of payment for workers to get the commodities that they need to reproduce their labor power, to put it in Marxian terms. And it's capital. And what you'd be doing is you would say, nobody, we're not going to have capitalists. Money's not going to function like that. You're not going to, we're not going to have money doing that. You could say that it has some kind of purpose, but that would all be done politically anyway. Like addressing like the question of capitalists per se and what it would mean to expropriate them, which might just mean taxing them to death. As Trotsky says, look in America, you could just do it through like changes in the tax policy. Don't have to line them up and shoot them or whatever. All right. You can, you could just send them all to the Bahamas on nice uh, cruises. And we're just going to take over these means of production. What Marx says in the critique of the Gotha program is that during the phase of
0: what maybe he could call the transitionary phase mm -hmm. towards communism you would create conditions where the workers were confronted with the reality of the inequality of their own method of production and exchange. And the labor notes would be part of that. And then they would have to take responsibility for their own method of production and exchange. And the aim, he said, would be to make that uh, mediating structure irrelevant because of the new creative capacity of a free working class, a free dictatorship of the proletariat, which would not just like um, take state power, but would use that state power to change the class basis of society and overcome the class basis of society. That's not that they would just sit there and say, well, we have the state and now we'll continue to smash strikes and we'll continue to you know, have the same old contradictions in societies and have
1: the same crime in the street. I, I, I guess the point is, is that, um, you know, the class character of society is epiphenomenal, right? That the contradictions of capitalism are, only, you know, that the, the class is kind of a character mask of them, right? That's why I'm saying... It's
0: epiphenomenal of the... Of, of the of labor
1: contradictions of labor, right? Of the Right, yeah right, the yeah. We're, so, yeah, right, yeah, we're
0: agreeing,
1: right? right. And so, so the
0: dictatorship of the proletariat's task would be to overcome the contradictions that its own power, which is actually the power in the world now, is creating. And But it would be free to do so. What
1: I'm trying to say, it's a, right, it's this, so we're talking about a funny kind of movement here dialectically, right? Yeah, right. Which is that um, society, you know, like the bourgeois thinkers said is prior to the state and the state is the state or should be the state of this society, right? The state literally like, you know, as I was saying before, the state is behind the freedom of society, right? It's catching up. Right. This, the freedom of society sparking off all the time and in ultimately in innumerable ways um, that processes are changing the way that society's acting is changing and the legislature's always just catching up. Right. The example that in platypus, we always would use in a reading group. It's a little bit dated now, but uh, it tells you how old platypus has been around is gay marriage. Why is gay marriage legal? Because it was already happening. Right? Gay people were already married, and the finally the law acknowledged it. Right, They were forming families. They were combining their assets. They were wedding their lives together and forming the units of society, the family unit of society, and the law wasn't recognizing it. Eventually it does, right? Eventually proverbial owl of Minerva flies at dusk and recognizes the new form in society that's emerged. Right now in capitalism, uh, the state also is an expression of society. Right. It's the state of a society whose freedom is in contradiction with itself. It's the symptom of that self-contradiction in society, right, the the contradiction of the forces and relations of production is visible to us most obviously as the fact that in the form of the state, right, that the, um, the bourgeoisie can no longer rule, right, The idea is not that the capitalists like governed, right? The idea is, is that the capitalists ruled in civil society or that there wasn't a ruler that people went to work and they found their freedom in going to work and the division of labor and the free market and all the things that Adam Smith talked about. Those things aren't working anymore, Mm -hmm. right? The bourgeoisie isn't like its form of society is breaking down. If the working class can't address that problem politically, then what you get is the Bonapartist state, which governs on behalf of the whole of society. It will shoot down the bourgeoisie on their balconies for ranting about, you know, their rights. Bourgeois fanatics of order are shot down on their balconies by drunken soldiery, as Marx says, in the 18th Brumaire. Just as, of course, it will shoot down, it will exercise force, it will compel the working class. Um, it will govern on behalf of everyone and no one, right, as mm-hmm. Marx says of Louis Bonaparte. And in that sense, It's preserving society. That necessity is going to still be there after you peel away these, this kind of character mask of class, right? Even if everyone has to work, the contradiction that necessitated the state will still be there. And so the working class, you know, the, the, the rise of capitalism is giving rise to the state and the necessity of state power being seized by the working class, which will then in turn not be able to fix society because after all, the state's just as it were a symptom of the problem, uh-huh. right? It can just, so to speak, band-aid the problem, right? Um, the society itself will, the people themselves will have to achieve socialism.
0: Why, so why is it important that the, the dictatorship so of the military emerges?
1: Right, you know, like at the, in the workplace, right, um, of course there's going to be demand for science and technology, right? If you start telling everybody they've got to work, the first thing they're going to say is, yeah, I'm not trained for that. Why can't we just so, insist upon you know, another that? industrial revolution to simplify the labor process even more? So that all of the people of the world, all the people with no education, people with no ability, just what's driven industrialization all along. Right? Why
0: couldn't like someone like DeSantis or Kamala Harris get elected, implement a policy of full employment, and therefore, when one stroke of the pen, create the dictatorship of the proletariat where everyone had to work? How would that be different?
1: After all, there have been states that have done that, right? Mm -hmm. In history, there has been employment or more than full employment, right? In World War II in the United States, right? We're talking about not just that, like, the people in the labor market getting jobs. We're talking about drawing people into the labor market that weren't there before. Obviously, you have a massive social overcoming of Jim Crow by drawing Southern blacks into Northern factories. You have the Rosie, the Riveter phenomena. You have women being drawn into the labor force that weren't there before in the service of capitalist war. (laughs) Right. In other words, that the way that the crisis of our society looks The way that we see it, the way, you know, we don't really experience like the crisis of capitalism as anything other than a political problem. For Marxists, like underlying the political problem is the primacy of the economic, right? Right. is like the substructure, but you can't get to that problem without solving the political problem. The thing that's going to prompt a revolution isn't going to be the, you know, the contradictory character of the commodity form of labor. Like right? people aren't going to say, like, I'm tired of the contradictions of the commodity <laughs> form of labor. Like, enough, right? It's, no, they're I going wake to- up every
0: morning and say that. I wake and go to bed each night and sit down, kneel at my bed and and pray to the, uh, the contradictory form of the commodity whatever you just said I
1: don't know what it would mean i can't imagine like being upset about the contradictory character well
0: in 2008 you know, the... being expressed by being upset about being people being thrown out of their homes it, it was expressed by people being upset about the rising unemployment or the fact that uh, so many young people weren't looking forward to being uh, engaged by society productively today it means being upset about the potential Uh, escalation of the war in Ukraine into a world war
1: or being upset about um, uh, the the advancing encroachment of 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 the technocratic state. Right. People being thrown out of their homes can't be dealt with uh, exactly by saying well just let the banks collapse since they've got bad loans Right. There was a need
0: to take political power. you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to just let the anything within the system as it was, as it was, running through the politics that we had wasn't going to overcome the problem. There was a need to overcome the foundations of
1: society to to correct what was a massive catastrophe. There was a need to help people be able to pay off their loans or to help the banks write off the bad debt. Or something, right? For the yeah, but see,
0: you weren't going to ever be able to do that in this system. You could try to loan some people the money, but then that would only shift the problem to some other region or some other institution. So you could move yeah, the crisis. To, right? And what's happened since then is that the crisis has moved from the level of the banks and the fi- and financial sector uh, into the level of the states. And now that's going to be maybe worked out at the level of, of war. Um, who's going to get to be the one who withstands this this long crisis of capitalism? Is it going to be China? Is it going to be the United States? It's going to be Europe? going to be Asia? Who's going to be the one who gets all the cheap capital after the devaluation with guns and, and bombs and hopefully not nuclear bombs? When
1: we look at this book, right, what are we looking at? We're looking at a book. We're looking at a I – mean, first of all, we're looking at – that which bestows karl marx to us right why do we care about karl marx because of this right cause of the the crisis of world war 1 and its resolution or transformation into European revolution is the most dramatic case of the subaltern classes trying to take their destiny into their own hands in the history of the world, right? And here is Vladimir Lenin, like at the moment, of this right in like August September 1917 writing this strange book right which is like well what did Marx say in the manifesto and what did Marx say in the 18th Brumaire and what did Marx say in the Civil War in France and what did Marx say in the Critique of the Goethe program weird weird thing right like it's a you know the the scholar Lars Lee calls it one of Lenin's like book reports Right, he's writing a book report on Marx. Why is he doing that? Right in the middle of a war, in the middle of like real catastrophe. Right, he's mm-hmm. reminding himself, like you know, we've gotten to this point. All of this history, from the French Revolution through 1848, and that's where he really picks up like right, the Marx question the legacy of Marx and Engels, the lessons that they learned from 1848 to the Paris Commune that they gave us, in this doctrine that then became this, that guided socialism, and that socialism has come to this point that it's, that Europe is in total crisis and war. What Marx told us was that in the heart of that crisis, there's a necessity for taking power. That that's the question that social democracy faced from 1848 down to the present. And we're seeing this repetition of the bourgeois revolution. We're seeing the monarchs being overthrown. We're seeing the constituent assemblies being called. We're seeing the new parliaments. And the working class must seize power, right? This is the task Why? Because Marx and Engels dreamed it? No, because this is the thing that history has been pointing to. This is what the June days in 1848 pointed to, is that the working class was coming up against the limits of bourgeois democracy in June of 1848 that there was a class question, that there was a social question, and then it got revealed and deepened in the, with the working class actually seizing power in the city of Paris in 1871, and we built these mass parties. Right? And so Lenin, when he's writing, is writing with all the legacy, I would argue, of Cromwell, of Thomas Jefferson, of Robespierre, of Marx and Engels, right? All of the debates over modern freedom as concentrated in the debates within socialism, as debates between anarchists and Marxists. And what does it mean to try to get to socialism and to a world beyond the state? It's in this book. And that's why we care about Marxism. Because I want to move now to the second part.
0: For the patrons, because sure. we're about an hour and seven minutes in, so I want to set it up this way. Like when I hear you talk, and you talk passionately about Lenin and and state and Revo- that book, state and revolution. But even more passionately about the history that that uh, Lenin was taking up and the politics that Lenin was taking up. The but the point that I I want to get at here and to try to get into the Patreon is yeah. today we have a left that doesn't understand that tradition doesn't have a feeling for it Mm
1: -hmm. doesn't
0: doesn't have a a a way in to it um and and uh, i think you and i sometimes disagree about what marx is about because i am so um focused often on the economic side that it just seems Mm -hmm. like i'm a technocrat myself maybe but but what i see there is that if we want to really get to the to be free, we have to address the most radical, fundamental aspects of our society. We have to be radical, meaning getting to the roots. If we think of the leftist project as being a way to take power so that we can facilitate the freedom of society, the freedom of, of civil society of working people, and 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 of all people, um, then. Mm-hmm how can we take a look at the left today and be anything but disgusted and that's where i want to move on from here into this conversation about the current moment the contemporary moment and and maybe i just want an excuse to rant and rave about the twitter files but but that's what we'll talk about maybe in in patreon is is how we've lost the plot so thoroughly and If you enjoyed this conversation, please do consider supporting us on Patreon. Our patrons help to make sure that Sublation Media can continue to provide interviews, videos, books, and articles that are critical of the left from the left. If you are tired of remaining stuck within bourgeois ideologies and politics, help us sublate them both.